What's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 40 of the Joe Ciccarelli Show. Today's sales conversation, remember now all my podcasts have transitioned to sales conversations for new sales reps and anyone else that wants to get better at sales. Today's conversation is with Jeff Bajorek. I connected with Jeff on, yeah, directly on LinkedIn. I just started following him and he was just pumping out a bunch of good content about sales, sales leadership and sort of everything in between. So I reached out to come on here and have a conversation. Uh, we go into a bunch of different things throughout the conversation. So I'm not going to uh, sit here and do a big intro. I'll let, you, I'll, let the, uh, I'll let the conversation start. But do not forget to stick around at the end uh, where I'm going to do some color commentary on kind of my main takeaways from my conversation with Jeff. I got some good feedback on the last episode for those of you that kind of tuned in. And I think people like kind of hearing a shorter episode and then kind of hearing some takeaways. It kind of helps close some of the gaps for, uh, for you listeners as well. So hope you enjoy it. Uh, as always love the feedback and, uh, talk to you soon. Jeff Bajoric, welcome to the Joe Ciccarelli show, man. Thanks for joining. Oh, Ciccarelli. See, all right. Now that doesn't surprise me at all. And now that I see, you know, some of your, your URLs and stuff, Joe Chick coaching. Okay. But when I was growing up, there was a guy who played hockey for the Detroit Red Wings and his last name was spelled exactly like yours. And his name was Dino Cicerelli. Dino, D- Dino Cicerelli. Yeah. He was Tampa Bay Lightning too. Uh, yes. He was a journeyman player and was yeah. exactly the guy that you needed because he would just get under the skin yeah. of every goalie, every defenseman. Like he was just a grinder. He was great. And I don't pay yeah. a whole lot of attention to hockey, but at that time, the Red Wings were really good. And just his name, I mean, I'd name like Dino Cicerelli, right? Like, I mean, yeah. he's going to come up to you and pinch your cheeks, right? Um, <laughs> or, or slap you across the face. Um, so I just made the assumption. Um, we just went before we hit record and you spent so much time and diligence and effort, making sure to say my name right. And here I am making an assumption. Uh, you you already have the leverage, sir. Yeah, that's it, man. Um, <laughs> it, you know, it's funny about my last name. It's a unique last name, Ciccarelli, but everyone's ran into it. So everyone's got a, hey, do you know, uh, are you related to Dino or do you know yeah. Bobby? Like a- everyone knows one Ciccarelli, but only one. So they, it's one of those things you remember. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, great name. Yeah. Um, so- Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate you being here. Love your energy on LinkedIn and um, I've really got into following your content. So it's, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you. Um, great to be asked. Um, I, I'm not going to say that, uh, I mean, there, there aren't very many of these that I turn down. Every once in a while, it's like, yeah, I don't have the time and mm-hmm. that's not going to be a good fit. But um, I love the energy that salespeople are bringing to this space and, uh, you know, what you're doing and, and reaching people from a different, uh, from a different point of view and you're young and energetic and trying to shake stuff up and, and make a ruckus as, um, Seth Godin likes to say. <laughs> and I like that. And, um, I think there's a lot to be said about the next generation or the next generations of salespeople. Cause they approach, they approach the profession much differently than I certainly did when I got started and much differently than, kind of our forebears did, you know, generations ahead of us. So it's, I I love talking to young people and, um, this is going to be great. So, I mean, you have not, you've, you've prepped me that you have questions. That is the extent of our prep. So this is going to (laughs) be, this is going to be great. Yeah. We'll just see where it goes, man. Well, I mean, I, I guess we should start for the listeners. Can you give a little background about you and how you came to be? I was born on a cold day in September, (laughs) 41 years ago. Um, yeah, I, I entered the sales profession rather reluctantly, like a lot of people do. It wasn't though like some people where ah, 
I'm in between gigs. I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. I guess I'm, I know a guy. Everybody knows a guy. Mm-hmm. I know a guy. I can go sell. I can go sell some insurance. I could probably sell real estate. Eh, you know, you're not that passionate about it. And you just kind of find, and then you end up championing mediocrity for the next 35 years until you're just so bored and so tired and you've made enough money that you can quit. That's not ever what I wanted. I fell into sales because um, I left my job at the hospital with three and a half months notice. So my degrees in athletic medicine, I worked with hockey teams and baseball teams and football teams and things like that in, in, at a high school. And I told my manager in November, I said, I'm not coming back next year. I'd like to not have responsibilities on the athletic field. I'd like to just work in the hospital. We were working on research. I've been published. We had a good thing going. I was having fun. Mm. He said, Jeff, we don't have a position like that. All of our positions are, they kind of look like yours. So we don't know what we're going to be able to offer you, but let's just kind of, let's see what happens over the next eight months, whatever it was. And uh, in May, they came back to me and they said, Jeff, were you serious about not coming back? I said, oh yeah, like really serious. Like I'm not doing this anymore. The football coach and I didn't get along real well. So it was like, I don't need that kind of environment. And uh, they said, well, you know, we, we need a letter of resignation then if you're going to leave. The job is yours till you vacate it. So we need a letter if we're going to hire someone and we need to hire someone. We need to get working on this. We only got a couple months before the school season starts again. I said, oh, okay, sure. So like 10 minutes later, they had a letter of resignation. And that's, that was my first, like, this is a big boy job, Jeff. You can't give like two weeks notice and, and just th- that and have it count. And after I gave my notice, the, the thing is, when you give three and a half months and, and you still want to stay employed, it's not like you can just go f- search for a new job. Like, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. There were some places hiring, right? But I had, I had um, commitments, right? There were, I, I worked, I was contracted to a high school. They had very dedicated athletes and I had programming planned through the summer. I said, I can't give up this commitment. I'll find something. So it's fine. And um, someone sat next to me and, and said, I think you should, I think you should try selling. I was like, I don't think so. Like, I'm not that guy. And she said, I, I got you an interview next week. Just dust off your resume, give it a shot. What else are you going to do? I said, okay, cool. Hey, it's worth, worth a shot. I'll, I'll have a conversation with somebody. I've always been curious. I've always you know, been interested in how things work. We did the dance for a couple of months. Um, the hiring manager at the time then called me, made me an offer. And I said, yeah, Thank you. I just don't know why you're making this offer to me. I don't know anything about business. I don't know anything about selling. I'm you a said little that to the hiring manager. I did. Yeah. I said, and, and he was the owner of the company. It was a small orthopedic device uh, distributor yeah. In, yeah. In, in Michigan. He said, "Here's the deal, Jeff. I know you don't know anything about business. I know you don't know anything about selling. I can teach you that. But what I know about you is that you speak the language." you're a great person. You're a hard worker. And all of the orthopedic surgeons that you're working with at the hospital right now, who know you, who will be your customers in a couple of weeks, they all told me to hire you. It's like, I can teach you the X's and O's. Oh, okay. So in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, I'll give this a year. And if I hate it, I'm good at what I do right now. It's worth the risk. I'll stick it out and we'll see what happens. And, uh, Almost 17 years later, here I am. Wow. So, uh, yeah, August 12th, 2004. That was my first. That was Med my device. first. Uh, yeah, medical devices. Mm-hmm. Medical device, yeah. 
Yep. And is that what you spent most of your sales career? Yeah. Before I started this company. Um, yeah, it was a, a little under 11 years. Yes. Yeah, um, June 30th, 2015 was my last, was my last day in the field carrying a bag for a company. Really? That's, that's when I, I kind of launched on my own. What, what brought you to launch on your own? Great question. I, <sighs> bored is not the right word. Um, the, the first company I was with, I was there a, about three and a half years, mm-hmm. um, ended up leaving right around Memorial day, um, of 2008. So almost four years. This is the first company that the guy hired you and said, Hey, you don't need to know sales. I'll teach you everything, you know, three and a half years right. later. Okay. Okay. Yep. yep. So I lasted three and a half years there, um, was just frustrated there for a, a lot of reasons. Um, but the biggest thing that I can point it to is we were manufacturers reps and we had like eight lines to represent and I was trying to represent them all. Mm. And I yeah. didn't have the mix right. And I just, it was really frustrating to never really see a ton of consistency by that time too. I had taught myself and, and sought mentors and sought authors and, and, and really looked to learn sales on my own. And there were a lot of things that I felt I needed to put into play, but wasn't quite brave enough. Wasn't bold enough. Didn't know that I could put that stuff into motion. So it felt like I was stuck. And took uh, uh, took the right call from the right recruiter on the right day, and found myself in there. In, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, look, I don't know how many times I turned them down prior yeah. to this. And what was really interesting is I don't so know. So true. Let's say seven recruiter calls prior to this. I basically said, if you can find a gig for me with this kind of pay and this kind of product and these kind of benefits or whatever, then yeah, I'll, I'll consider it. Right. It wasn't even the same recruiter who called me, but just one day they said, this is what we've got for. I was like, that's interesting. And then I called to learn a little bit more and I was like, that's interesting. And the wheels just kind of kept turning. But when I had, and I feel like, um, everybody deserves an opportunity for a fresh start. Everybody deserves, particularly like when you're in grade school or middle school, you deserve an opportunity to go to a brand new school and kind of write your own story rather yeah. than still being held accountable for that stupid thing you did when you were nine years old in the third grade and you just didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the thing. Like, yeah, you like shit your forever. pants in third grade yes. and no one thinks you in high school as a kid to shit his <laughs> yes. pants. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So with this new start, I had an opportunity to put all those things into play. And I said, I've been learning too much to not utilize this stuff. And the, you know, I finally said, look, if this isn't the way I'm going to try this. And if this isn't the way to sell, then maybe I'm just not cut out for selling. Hmm. I tripled my revenue in 18 months. That's pretty unheard of. And, um, given what I was selling, where I was selling it, how established it was, everything like that brought a completely different mindset to the, um, to the company, to the product line and everything like that. And so I had great success right away. What, what was it? to grow. I mean, what was it that, I mean, that's a significant jump. I had, I knew what I was talking about and I was approaching the, the problem rather than leading with my product. A lot of other reps Hey, I've got a relationship. I'm selling this thing too. I'm carrying this other line. You should give it a shot, you know, or whatever. Um, we had a, we had a lot of salespeople who were doing that. We had some direct salespeople in the company who were just selling the technology, selling the product, selling like how great this stuff was. And to some people that matters. 
Sure. Um, I changed the conversation with my physicians, the orthopedic surgeons I was selling to. I was like, guys, how are you addressing this issue in the market? There was research coming out about uh, something that our technology specifically um, addressed, but not everybody was aware of the conversation. So I would take these journal articles and say, hey, look, your peers are talking about this stuff. What are you doing to address this? And is the product you're using addressing it? So I took a very specific approach to something that had been considered a commodity. Like, Joe, these, these surgeons were using whatever the hospital stocked and they didn't always know what it was, right? And, and that's not their fault. I'm not trying to throw them under the bus. Like, what do we have in the, what do we have in stock? Oh, okay. Yeah. This is how big I want it and you know, bring it in. We'll use it. So not only was I shedding light on the fact that they didn't always know what they were using, but that they should definitely know what they were using. And that once they knew what they were using, there were very important clinical differentiators between what I was selling and what was on the shelf, so mm. to speak. And so um, that changed the game. And yeah. I had a tremendous success. And I also, there was something that set me apart. And some of it was... Um, uh, some of it was just the industry at large, right? Like this was a commodity product that a lot of people just kind of carried, you know, uh, as a third or a fourth option. Um, I brought total joint sales experience to a more commoditized product and I treated it as if it were a highly technical, you know, uh, functioning set of metal and plastic components. Mm. So there was a different mindset that I brought to it. And, if you, even if you have a hard time differentiating what you sell, you can always differentiate the way you sell. And I was highly differentiated in that way. Wow. Yeah. I love that. So I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm running on about my, my own employment history. Yeah. Here, but yeah. What, yeah. What, so what I, happened? I, yeah. I got you off track. I guess what we were going to is now, you know, you've started your own business. Like mm -hmm. you said, you were kind of bored in a way, but maybe not completely. So yeah, that's it, the, essentially there was no way for me to continue to grow at the extent that I was at the rate that I was. And it looked like the company was headed in a direction that I didn't want to go in. We had purchased a spine company and we were going to do more spine implants. And I wasn't interested in serving the spine. I really liked sports medicine. So, um, when I saw that that was the direction we were going, I said, yeah, I'm going to look for other opportunities. Um, I knew I could coach. I knew that I was doing things differently than my, uh, colleagues were and I was getting different results. And I said, you know, I think I'm going to, I'm going to see what this looks like. And, uh, so I got, I licensed some content, licensed some of Jeffrey Gittimer's content, spent a weekend with him in, in Charlotte, got to know him a little bit, got to know some other people, felt like I belonged and said, all right, I'm gonna give this a shot. Um, reconnected with some former colleagues of mine who were friends. And they said, and told them I was going to do this. They said, Jeff, we're looking for someone like you in our organization. You'll be perfect. You come from where we are. You know, you come from where we come from. You speak our language, kind of similar to what I was told, you know, 11 years prior. Yeah. When you first started, right. I was thinking that. And a, a small gig that I could do after work that I had the blessing of my employer to do turned into a big one. It wouldn't have been fair to my company to take on the big coaching gig. It wouldn't have been fair to my you know, clients to stay with the company. So I looked at my wife one Sunday in June and I said, I guess we own a business now. We should figure, you know, probably figure out how to run it. And that was, you know, June, 2015. So we're, we're pushing six years now. 
And what did you start out like sales consult? I mean, really sales coaching and consulting, is that the kind of the, the general approach initially? Yeah. 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 Um, training, coaching, training. Um, yeah. that, that led me to consulting, um, pretty quickly. I like solving big problems. I, I'm not as enthused about, um, let me run you through this five point prospecting cadence, you know, for the umpteenth time, right? Like I, I don't, I, I really like digging in and connecting with people and, um, there's never a dull moment when you can really dig into the nuance of someone's issues. Right. And like sure. with you, with coaching, right. I mean, there's a certain amount of training that goes along with coaching, but mm -hmm. the coaching part, what I feel is the give and take of the asking questions, listening, paying attention to nuance, paying attention to that specific thing that not everybody else is dealing with, or isn't dealing with in the same way that your client is. And you reach them where they need to be reached. Meet people where they're at. Yeah. You, you have to. And a, I feel like, you know, for, and for the long time, longest time, Joe, I had a hard time and, and I still do. I mean, I, it's not hard for me to tell you that I train and I coach and I consult, but you know, when you're a sales trainer, I know what that guy looks like. I, there's his, his picture is in the dictionary next to sales trainer. And I'm not that guy, mm. right? I don't come in and then leave. I don't fire people up for 90 minutes and then go away. Right. I know the sales coach, right. And, and there's a lot of coaching I do, but there's a lot of prof like, Part of what I do from a professional standpoint is melding the, and, and really digging into the space between where sales ends and where life begins, because they're very, very interrelated. So I don't have a playbook that I'm going to walk you through. I'm not going to get you all fired up and, and, and rah, rah. I'm not quite that guy, though I do coach. And for the longest time, Joe, consultant was what you called yourself when you were in between gigs. Yeah. So like, you <laughs> know, or, people, yeah. what do I call myself? And, um. I, I certainly do a lot of those things and then every single day I'm consulting, coaching and training, but, um, it's still interesting to come up with the wording behind, you know, how to, how to tell people what it is that I do. Yeah. If you were to look at like, um, generally speaking, and like you said, you, you know, you don't go in there and push the same five-step process down everyone, but in general, right. there's probably, there's probably consistencies across what's the mm -hmm. biggest thing that you think newer people, um, or people that haven't been ex in experience is almost irrelevant more, more than it is like proper understanding of sales techniques. Where do people Agreed. miss? Do you feel like, um, people are afraid to fail. Yeah. And they're so afraid to fail that they want someone to tell them how to do it in a way that will make them succeed. And Joe, you know, this, I can't tell you the words to use in an email. I can't tell you, I can't write your script for you. I can't show you, you know, uh, there's only so much you can take from me telling you how to leave that voicemail message. Right. Um, because I don't sell like you, you don't sell like me, mm. but so many people are afraid to figure their own way, way through this. They're, they're, they're so afraid to fail, to get it wrong that they don't learn how to do it right. Yeah. And so you go to the books and you copy the scripts and you say, well, wait a second. I took this course. I took this online course, 99 ways to leave voicemails. Well, whatever. I'm making that up. There's probably sure. one of those out there, but I'm, uh, I'm, sure. I'm pulling that out of thin air. Right. And I used all 99 and none of them got me calls back. Okay. Cool. But what I help people discover is why do those, what are the common themes among those 99 voicemails? Why did they work? Because when you can distill why something works, you can 
write your own path. You, you can write your own scripts. You can, you can create your own way. And what happens is not only do you end up doing the work, but the work is valuable because you own that work. Mm. You feel like it's a part of you. It's an extension of you. It feels natural when you do it. You don't feel like you're forcing anything. You don't feel like you have to be dishonest or ingenuine in order to do that thing that you are saying you want to do as a career. That is a huge thing because so many people, like the person I mentioned at the top of the show, Joe Schmo sales guy. Mm -hmm. Well, I know a guy, a buddy of mine from high school. He's got an insurance agency. Yeah, he'll, he'll get me a license. They'll pay me a few bucks. And I'll bring on my friends and they'll write them cheap policies and I'll live off the commission and we'll go drink beers together and I can pick up the tab because it's a write-off and whatever. And it's just like, man, what a miserable existence that is. Yeah. Mediocrity. Championing mediocrity. Yeah. No, it's just not worth it. So when you do the work, when you dig into why, you dig into, Jeffrey Gittimer taught me this, why people buy is much more important than having selling skills, understanding why people make decisions. And when you think about sales as an, uh, a science of how and why people make decisions, whew, your horizons open up completely and you look at things a lot differently and you question things. And when, you know, and I told you, I, I like picking things apart and understanding why things work. Man, you know, what's going to make Joe buy this thing today? Right? What's he really getting at? Why is he even shopping? Is he even shopping? Should he be shopping? And um, that's the that's the thing. I mean, when you when you approach this like a craft, it is amazing the opportunities that open up for you. But it's harder work. People don't like to work very hard. It's it's uncomfortable too. I mean, it yeah. is. It's oh, very yeah. uncomfortable. I think yeah. you need to. We need to um, readdress our dysfunctional relationship with failure. Mm. And so true. from, from the first grade and I have kids, they're uh, in the sixth grade and the fourth grade right now. And you know, it's, is this going to be on the test? It's not about what am I learning today? It's about, is this going to be on the test? And did I get all the answers right? And they're doing a little better now. My kids have never seen a letter grade. My daughter will next year when she goes to seventh grade. But like, it, it's nice to not have that pressure there, right? Of, of you know, do I need to get this right? There's a focus more on this the is learning school. The schools aren't. Is are you talking from the school's perspective? They're not doing I think that. that. I think that's part of where we get it from, right? Yeah. Because that. But I'm saying the non-letter grade thing is that a school that's oh, not the, giving. Correct. Our, our school, our school district doesn't give letter grades. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Because gotcha. that's kind of interesting. Sorry about that. I didn't clarify. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Okay. But I, I think the focus then becomes more on learning rather than, is this going to be on the test? But Joe, you and right, I have both right. done this. I agree. We, we, we've sat in the back of the room. Is this going to be on the test? Oh, it's not going to be on the test? Okay. I'm going to go back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so the focus isn't on what you can learn and what you can create. The, the focus is on, did I get all the answers right? And so when from the age of five, it's about how do I get all the answers right? And I'm terrified of getting them wrong because if I get a bunch wrong, then mom and dad are going to be mad at me mm-hmm. and I'm going to be, you know, put in, you know, I'm going to be, you know, like I, I'm, I'm, this is not meant to be a, an attack on the school system. Like there, there are other people who do that way better than me, but I just want to point out to, to people that we are conditioned to try to get things right instead of to do things well. And when you focus instead on doing things well, and in, in when you think about a cold call or any sales call as a success or failure, I want you to think about 
not whether or not you close the deal or you move to the next step, but did you learn something or, did you, or did you not? Yeah. If you learn something, you're better equipped for the next call. It doesn't matter who you're calling. And so if you're consistently learning something, and I, I say, look, there's no step is too small if it's headed in the right direction. Just keep taking steps. Well, as long as there's continual steps being taken, you're doing great. But people don't think about it that way. People just think about, well, did I hit my number? Is this going to be on the test? What am I tested on? And it's, um, you have to look at things a little bit differently. And so that's where I think people go wrong. And that's where I think people, particularly people new to selling, there's all this pressure. There's all the opportunity. You signed up for this because you thought you could make a lot of money. You could help a lot of people. You could do great things because that's what you've seen on TV. And that's great because it's all possible. But then you think that six months in, you should have this by now. And you don't because it's hard and because you haven't done the work because you tried to copy someone else's cheat sheet and do it their way. And that's not genuine. And then it feels forced and your customers can smell that. Mm. So you need to bring yourself, which means you need to do the work. People just, it's, it's not easy to do. Well, you already said that we can, we can repeat ourselves uh, off the recording. <laughs> No, but you're 100% right, man. I mean, it's just, and everything you just said applies so far beyond sales. I mean, it's it's oh, yeah. and just like you said, in school. And I mean, you know, you would, so this would be an, an interesting segue into, okay, so you've you've obviously, you've created this business, but you've also created quite an online presence. I know you have a couple different mm-hmm. podcasts, you've written some mm-hmm. books. Um, catching on, building a following, getting people to engage with you, which ultimately leads to, you know, more opportunity and all those other things that you started with. That's kind of the same thing, right? And can you talk a little bit about how you've, how you approach that in your, in your, um, from that side of your business? I still look at the amount of content I produce, the the way I distribute it. I mean, I still look at that and I question it constantly. Um, I probably had some bad guidance, right? When I first got started and I tried to do too much in too many places, you know, Mm -hmm. the, if I look back on my, uh, content production, um, I would narrow it down quite a bit and I would only be on one social channel rather than all of them. Mm -hmm. And, um, I would pay much more attention to who's signing up and try to engage with them earlier on in the process. Um, but I tried to be ubiquitous. And so what that meant was, Oh, Christy, you want to do a podcast? Let's do a podcast. Cool. And then, oh, you want me to do a guest spot on this podcast, you know, every week? Yeah, sure. All right, I can do that. Yeah. And then, you know, and you got to do video. So YouTube, okay, great. And oh, now you got to get it transcribed. It it creates a bunch of work for me that is valuable to me because it helps me to clarify my thoughts. Um, But in terms of, I mean, I mean, realistically, in terms of you know, the impact that I'm making on any one of those channels is not as big as it could be if I had more focus. So that's a a caveat that I will throw out there because there are so many platforms and every one of those platforms demands that you engage on those platforms if you want to build any kind of a following. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was just thinking about this (laughs) Uh, to add a platform. I do some stuff on clubhouse every week too. And one of the things I talked about on clubhouse last weekend was, um, do you need to build a following or do you just need to know who to call on? And I think the whole thing has kind of come full circle right now with personal branding and do you have people who can pay attention to you and what's your reach like and all this stuff. It's like, you know what, if you have the contact information for, you know, good leads, you don't need a following. You know how many salespeople are out there in the offline 
non-digital world making yeah. millions of dollars yeah, yeah. because they I, just I know who to get that. in front yeah. of. Yeah. I mean, so it's easy to be seduced by all that stuff. And it's yeah. really hard to cut the cord when you're done or when you want to, you know, step away. Um, so yeah, I've made a lot of mistakes is, is the point and I'm learning from them and I'm, and I'm growing from them. But you know, the podcast I kind of stumbled upon and it turns out I'm pretty good at it. So, and people tell me that I'm good. I said, all right, well, let's do another one. Why another one? Well, because I'm trying to create this other online community with some exclusive content in it and people like me on podcasts. So what if I just create some other kind of different things that are, you know, Christy and I have the why and the buy and I have deeper thought that's on my own. And, um, it's not that hard to do, but it is another thing to do. And I write every week because it's important for me to write that I write for me and I might as well publish it. It does you know? help clarify and, thoughts, doesn't oh. it? Man, a a lot was, of creating content oh. is for me, I find it just helps me clarify what the hell I'm saying. Yeah. You yeah. have to like all of a sudden it's like, all right, I'm going to press send on this. Cause look, if it's not worth pressing publish on, it's not worth writing. And once you press publish, it's like, Ooh, does that really mean what I th- want it to say? Right. Said, does that really mean what I wanted to? Did I convey my, and nothing has made me a better seller than writing period. Nothing has made me a better seller than writing because when you see it in print, in black and white, right in front of you, it's like, hmm. And then you come back to it like, oh man, that does not mean what I want it to. And then you send it to someone else and then, you know, you, you put it out there and then you get a comment. It's like, wow, this person did not understand what I was saying at all. How do I go back and be a little bit better? And it's not about writing copy that converts. It's about writing copy that conveys the, 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 the point that you're trying to drive home. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's a challenge and it's a challenge every week. And that's why I keep doing it. But I write for me and I might as well publish it. And then that creates the avenues for all the other stuff. And um, Joe, I don't know how to shut it down. What? It just keeps on coming, yeah? It just keeps coming. No, I mean, and, and what I mean is, you know, if I'm going to back off, you know, look, once I write it, okay, I publish it and it goes out there. And um, as part of the publishing process, I'll riff on that concept on a video. You yeah, know, like I, I've, I've noticed and, that you do that, which yeah. is brilliant. You know, it's uh, the accountability was great this week. And then I saw an article, then I saw a video and it's, it's smart. Yeah, I like that. So it, it's, um, it takes time. I can't do it on a daily basis like a lot of these people do it. Um, and I'm not interested in that because I don't like living on the, on the social media profiles I don't, yeah. or on the platforms. I, um, I want to do good work and I want to do it for people who one, pay me. That's, that's a good thing. And, and two, really that, that pay attention to it. Right. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. I I'm finding that I am a, there are not very many people who are better salesmen than I am out there, but I am not a very good marketer. And that's where I'm, that's what I'm recently learning and trying to, you know, kind of, um, hone my own skills and it's going to be okay. So yeah, and that's actually leads me to one other question here. Um, and that's, and I know we're kind of coming up here, so I'll, this is the last one for you. Um, but ICP, ideal client profile, right? Yeah. How do you approach that? Cause I, I know, and I know it's a big thing in developing content, but it's a big thing in everything you do. And especially for people that are new, like myself, it's like you, you can't be everything to everyone, but it's hard to give up anything. How have you approached that in sales and in content? That's where the marketer in me is really held back. Um, when I create content, it's based on the conversation I had that week or the week prior, right? Like 
you know, the stuff that you saw this week as we're recording this about accountability, that's great. I've already got my piece for next week written and I know what I'm going to write about the week after. So I'm uh, like a week and a half ahead of myself, Mm -hmm. but that's about as far ahead as I get. So my ideal client profile is me. It's a salesperson that's out there just trying to figure out why stuff works, trying to build their own way trying to learn a little bit about what they need to be doing rather than, you know, or what they're trying to accomplish rather than what they need to be doing. And, um, that's not very focused, you know, but my problem, Joe, is that I still get excited to solve problems. So, you know, you want to approach me with something? Yeah, let's dig in. Let's talk about that. Like that's what lights me up. And, and my other biggest problem is that when I left the medical device industry, I wanted to leave it behind. So I still have some clients there. And that's good, but I didn't want to be medical device guy or, or medical, uh, sales guy, because I had a chip on my shoulder that when I was looking for jobs, when I knew I wanted to leave, no one would hire me because I didn't have relevant, you know, industry experience. I couldn't even get a look. And I was like, yeah, but I know how to sell. So like, I'm going to run circles around most of the people that you could potentially hire, but you don't see that. And that pisses me off. Hmm. Um, but like I, I speak the language. I know the politics. I know how stuff works. I'm also really, really good in those situations, but it's, um, it's tough for me because I don't want to be in medical device. So I left my ideal client profile alone. And, and so that, that admittedly that has made it tougher on me. Um, so, you know, my ideal client profile is, you know, salespeople who want to become top performers and leaders who want to get their teams to perform better. And those teams perform less than optimally, usually, almost always, because of the leader. You know, it's funny, man. The what, what you said of all the things you just said on this ICP thing that, that, that struck me is your ICP is you. And I struggle mm-hmm. with that too because I'm like, I just kind of want to market to myself. You know, like right. <laughs> I'm into self development. I want to get to the next level. I'm motivated. There's got to be other people like me out there. Um, but then are. it's like, if you you know you're neurotic or whatever it is, you know, like mm-hmm. you're in. Um, but there's something to that. I mean, kind of. It's almost a sense of like listening to your gut, right, and going with what yeah. what what feels right. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you're man. you're not alone, right? I mean, that's that's the thing. You're 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 you've never been alone. There's always been someone else out there like you, and the internet has brought a lot of those people closer together. Yeah, um, the myth about digital marketing now is that if you put something good out there, people are going to find it. Not true. It's just not true. Um, used to be true. And it's just not anymore because there's too much. There's too much out there, and there are too many algorithms engineered and looking for things that are other than quality content, right? Um, so you you have to you have to be a little bit more strategic. You have to play the game a little bit with the algorithms, but you also just need to be very targeted about who you should be talking to, yeah. and put yourself in front of those people. Um, and uh, no, it, it's you need to know that you're not alone. You need to know that your target market looking a lot like you is a really good thing. Um, that was one of the things too, that the biggest and, and most stark contrast between my former life in the corporate world and where I am right now is the focus. You put me in front of an orthopedic surgeon. I knew how to talk to him hmm. or her. It's like 95% male, but you know, I, I knew how to talk to that surgeon, right? Now all of a sudden it could be a leader. It could be a sales rep. It could be an SDR. It could be uh, a, a veteran. It could, uh, uh, a, you know, seller who's been doing this for 30 years. It could be someone who's brand new. That's four or five different audiences right there. Yeah. They need to hear the same message different ways. It's easy to get analysis paralysis there. 
Yeah. You don't want that because it, it, you know, uh, I could ramble about this for a long time, Joe, but the, the, um, I've learned a lot in my marketing and my content creation about how to narrow things down, about how to speak provocatively enough to get people's attention, but be able to back up everything I say. Um, I relish the idea that someone challenges me. I say this a lot. So you can, you're, you're allowed to argue. I have no problem with that. You're also very much entitled to be wrong. So let's talk about this and, you know, it gets a laugh out of people, but I, I, I'm very firm in the points that I make. And I think people are missing the big picture because they're focused too much on, uh, the little stuff that's rather insignificant. So, um, I don't know if that answers your question about building a content empire, but, uh, there's certainly does, a lot man. of stuff out there's there. There's so much, so much good in that. And thank you so much. I, I, I really love your confidence, man. I, I, I do. Yeah. You got a good swag thank about you. you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so assuming other people listening like your confidence too, and they want to learn more about you and, um, what, what you're all about, where would you point them? Um, I, my favorite place to point people now, uh, about eight weeks ago, I started doing live weekly sales training. Um, so it, it just that, register yeah. for it. Yep. It's on um, Wednesdays, right? Wednesday afternoons. I'm in the Eastern time zone. So I typically shoot for 2 PM. Um, you know, we'll, it moves around and occasionally I have to miss a week cause I'm traveling or whatever, but Jeff live is it'll take you right to the page on my website where I'm doing live training. Um, and, uh, the, podcast that I do by myself is called deeper thought. And you can find that on your podcast player, right where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of free episodes there, but it's actually a premium subscription podcast. So there are directions. We always, my producer and I put a couple, three episodes out there for people to get a taste of what it is. Cause it doesn't sound like any other podcast out there. Um, but the, the, mo- the majority of the, the, the content is gated. And, um, I think that people will pay more attention to things that they pay for. So with all the podcasts that are out there, there's over 300 of them on sales alone. Yeah. I'm digging into why stuff works rather than what works. And if you want to take a trip down a, a little bit of a wormhole and think a little more deeply, um, that's, that's, that's where you do it. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. The, give me the, don't just tell me do this. Tell me, tell me how it works and why it works. So, yeah. um, this has been great, man. Thank you so much for coming on. And it's been really great chatting with you. I'd love to chat with you more. Maybe we'll have to do a, a, a round two one of these days. Happy to do that. I, I, I love your approach. You're a great interviewer. I always know that I'm talking to someone who's a good interviewer when I talk way more than I'm comfortable talking. <laughs> so, um, that's a, 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 I tip my cap to you. Um, you know, selling, if you're speaking more than 30% of the time, you're losing. And so I come on some of these podcasts and I'm talking like 80% of the time. It's like, oh my God, shut up, shut up. You're doing it's it wrong. Weird, but <laughs> It's a weird thing getting salespeople on a podcast, man, because good salespeople, they ask questions, they shut up and listen. So it's almost like you ask someone a question, they're like, no, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to discover more about you. Than, you know. So no, right. I appreciate you, but this is what was, this is what it was, it was about, man. We, you know, appreciate you kind of opening up a little bit and, uh, Yeah, it was great. It was really great. And so uh, thanks again for coming on. Cool. Thanks for having me, Joe. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Uh, I thought it was good. Uh, Really good. And the first thing that kind of popped into my mind, like I told you in the last one, it's been cool to to really listen through these. And the first thing that popped into my mind is, damn, Jeff's got uh, some great audio. (laughs) His voice is crisp. And uh, super, super clear. And remember before we got started, he was telling me about his whole tech setup there. But uh, I think that leads into 
something I really took away about him. He's got a really strong personality, doesn't he? Very, very confident. If you remember, kind of towards the end, I complimented him on that. And I really meant it. You can just really feel his confidence come across. And a, a big part of being successful in sales or in life is just having that confidence. And it just comes um, comes over time for some people. But there's certainly ways to kind of speed that process up. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But uh, I was just really impressed with him. Like I said, from the from the personality perspective, he's just really smooth. He's like, and maybe part of it's his tech setup, but part of it's just he's really easy to listen to. Uh, as you listen, I think it's just like, yeah, he just he's got a good uh, a good way about him. Um, clearly, there's 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 no surprise that he's really good at sales. But uh, true true to my nature, trying to focus on two main takeaways. Uh, or two main buckets to assign my takeaways to for each one of these episodes. I think that's the best way for me to remember it and probably for others as well so you don't get overwhelmed with like, here's 57 things you should remember. And uh, the two main things I want to talk about are the first one's fear of failure and the second one's doing the work and there's kind of sub-bullets here that um, that I want to talk about when it comes to this stuff. But it, we just got through saying how confident Jeff is and I, I, I asked him point blank, you know, what's the best way for... What's the best thing you think people struggle with? And it's directly correlates to being more confident and that's being afraid, being okay failing. And um, God, it's such a hard thing in all areas of life. I struggle with this in so many areas uh, and I think we all do to an extent, but it really is such an important thing to, step one I think is just to be aware of, be aware when you're, those voices, those saboteurs inside your head are telling you to play small, but just to kind of, whoa, whoa, don't do that or, God, if you do that, you might screw up. It's like this idea of kind of reframing, don't do that, you might screw up to like, hey, if this is something I'm worried about messing up and this is something I'm worried about screwing up or I'm feeling at, that should be like, you, you, you almost want to build that awareness in your mind so that that's like a trigger goes off your mind. Okay, boom, this is what, this is something that I should be going after. Uh, is an interesting quote here and it says, I'm thinking here, I'm going to pull it up. And uh, it's a friend shared a book with me recently called Do the Work, uh, interestingly enough. And my favorite quote from this book, which really resonated with me so much, was the more important a call to action is to our soul's evolution, the more resistance we'll feel towards pursuing it. And it's so true, right? And whether this is in a sales conversation, a cold call, uh, banging on a door, whether that's <laughs> physically or um, electronically nowadays, but... Um, asking a question or asking someone for a next step when you're not really sure, oh, should I do this? Should I not do this? And when you feel that bubble up inside of you, that like fear that, oh my God, oh my God, like that's the trigger that you're on the right track and that's a trigger that you need to take that next step. Now look, that might that might blow up in your face and at the early days it very well could, but understanding that when it blows up in your face, um, if it blows up in your face, that's that's not a bad thing. And I think that's something Jeff talked a lot about that I really liked is that that's not a bad thing. And, and you need to be able to reframe that. And there's an interesting book. I hate giving, I'm sick of giving book recommendations because it's like, you know, someone's like, hey, I thought I, uh, this book made me think of you or this or that. And I've been the guy that always does that. And then you end up, someone gives you, you know, you have a hundred different books to read to appease other people. But really, if you're looking for a good book recommendation, um, <laughs> growth mindset is a great book. And, uh, it's just having this mindset of how can I grow from this situation? And it's just really fits into that, right? So it's, Hey, I did this, um, instead of beating the heck out of yourself because you failed, it's what did I learn? And so, um, I guess what I'm saying here in a, in a, in a, in a lot of different ways is you need to find ways to reframe failure in your mind 
and so that you can approach failure in a way that's one something that you look at as an opportunity and two when it does go bad something that you can look at it as a, a, a learning experience and that's just it's bullshit advice uh, in a sense, but it's really the only advice that you can give on something like this. And uh, you just got to go out there and do it. And the other component here is you got to find your own way to sell. And a big part of that is goes into that confidence, that fear of failure. You're never going to find the best way for you to sell, the best way for you to ask questions, the best way for you to approach a situation until you go out and do it. And so all these things open up in life, but more importantly in sales, when you're new to sales and you're trying to figure stuff out, everything opens up when you take the time to get out of your comfort zone and see what happens and be, be kind of pragmatic about it. When you make a failure, sit back and take a second or two. I have note cards all over my desk. Note cards have been a really useful way for me to kind of help manage everything I have going on. I used to do like, and I still, I still have like a running list of like a short little notepad, but note cards really help me like keep stuff in order. So I have a note cards for this or that, and I can manage it. One note card is I just have is like, I just have sales on it. And whenever I get off a, 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 a sales call, if there's something I really kind of felt like, God, I kind of feel that that, and failure is a strong word. Maybe I could have done this better. I just jot it down. Now I have this list of all these things I want to get better at. It's probably a good podcast one of these days to go through them all. I'm sure we all deal with the same stuff. So that's my little rant on fair, fair failure. The next one is do the work. Um, and this doesn't need a long explanation, does it? Uh, but there are some tactical things that I pulled out of what Jeff said that really correlate to doing the work. And he talked about it time and time again, goes back to in the last episode with Larry Levine. I talked a lot about the, you know, you just got to do stuff and you got to be consistent. Um, but there's other, and, and so that's there, that's a big part of it, right? Just doing the work every day, develop, you know, prospecting every day, doing this every day, being consistent, developing habits. And that's, that's there. And I talked a lot about that in the last episode. But what I want to kind of reframe this about today is some of the more tactical things around that that aren't necessarily as much habit driven, although they certainly could be. One of the things he talks about is learn why people buy um, versus how to have better selling skills. And that's in whether you're trying to improve yourself in sales, that's always work. But learning how people buy is actually really hard to do because it's it's a different level of learning um, than just how do I ask a better question or how do I prospect better? Uh, you're probably in some companies certainly do. But when you're new to sales, the first thing you're probably not going to learn, although you should learn is why people buy. You're probably going to learn more about your company's products and your company's services and how you guys onboard clients and how you guys do things and how your company thinks you should position it to the client. And that's all great. But at the end of the day, clients are people, they're human beings. And if you can't take time to understand human beings, then uh, you're going to struggle. And if you, you might, you know, struggles again, could be a strong word, but it's going to, things are going to be harder on you than they have to be. Cause at the end of the day, there's certain things that, um, that dictate how people act regardless of what you're selling them or who they are. And uh, it's something that took me a long time to learn in sales. Again, I was just a guy that focused on the pro- you know, the products and the services. And, oh, I don't talk about features. I talk about benefits. I thought it was a hot shot. But really, uh, benefits is like level, you know, one, like level zero is selling features. Level one is selling benefits. And that's where it gets interesting because level two through in, in infinity is how to sell to people and how to understand people, and how to think. And that's where I think doing the work comes in so much. Um, let, let, let's talk about this in like a real-life situation. You need to prepare for your calls. Um, and that's kind of the next one as well. And so maybe I'll loop that in now. Is The next kind of note I had is do the research to, into prep 
uh, before a call. You know, Jeff talked about that early on in his days. He kind of took a different approach to selling what he thought was a commodity. Um, he talked about the idea is if you can't differentiate what you sell, differentiate how you sell. So I think a lot of us, especially when we're new into sales, we don't always get these great jobs that are really cool. It takes a while to build that up. And when you're new, um, you know, you, you, you get in a job that breaks your teeth. And oftentimes for me, it was office supplies. It's a commodity. Anyone can sell it. Who can sell it cheaper? But what you can do is and maybe, you know, I, I, it's different for everyone in every situation is change the way you sell something. And that takes work. It takes work to sit there like Jeff talked about and he went in and he read a bunch of peer-reviewed studies for one of the um, surgeons he was selling to and said, hey, look, are you aware of this, this, and this? These are what people are talking about in your industry. Um, And the doctor was like, no, I'm not aware of that. Okay, well, boom, based on this, this, and this. And all of a sudden he gets a doctor interested because this is stuff that people are talking about in the doctor's industry, not stuff that people are talking about in Jeff's industry. All of a sudden they're interested in learning about that. And once you educate them to that extent, then he can sell on his differentiators. Um, And so that's really smart, right? Anyone can listen to that. Yeah, that's really smart. That's also really simple, but it's not easy. It's hard. It takes work. And I... so often, and I, I'm guilty of this myself even now, you know, like I really have to push myself to say, I need to prepare for this call. Yeah, I'm going to research this client. I'm going to go online. I mean, it, God, we have so many things at our fingertips now. You can go on Google and type in whatever information is pertaining to your next sales call and just hit the news and you can see, hey, this company had this, the latest, the, the latest news or about this or about that. I mean, imagine taking 10 minutes before your call about a company, researching them a little bit on LinkedIn, researching their company. I bet you get on that call and say, hey, I heard about this. What do you think? And boom, you've just changed the game. You've just turned yourself from another guy presenting stuff to them to another guy that's, or gal who's, who's, um, trying to become a consultant. And I think that's the other piece. It's really hard to do this because it takes a lot of work. But if you can put yourself in a situation where picture yourself as an employee of this company. Hey, I'm an employee with this company um, that I'm selling to. So I want to get to know this person like I'm an employee so I can help them make a better decision for their business. Right. And that's kind of what Jeff did in a sense is, hey, how can I get to know this person? How can I provide them information that's really useful to their business and to them? Forget about me and my product, just their business. And all of a sudden you become, again, a trusted consultant. That's how you do that. So often it's become a trusted consultant, become a, but it's not that, it's not that difficult to do. It's just takes work. So do the work. Uh, yeah, that's just some tactical examples of that. I think so often we hear work hard, so often we hear become a consultant, but there's ways you can do that. But you can't do that if you don't do the work to do that. Hope that makes sense. Uh, my last little bonus here, uh, I was wanted to pick Jeff's brain selfishly because he puts out a lot of good content on LinkedIn. So I just, you know, um, creating content is great if you're trying to build a business, right? And that's what we think about. Oh, we need to build, we need to create content if we're an influencer. If you haven't noticed, both of these last two people I've interviewed, I didn't get into it too much with Larry, but it was definitely in his book, was the importance of creating content around your own business um, and whether that's something you own or something you're trying to develop or your business as a sales rep and whatever products and services you're selling. So be able to get on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter or wherever it is that you know your clients are and start to promote a brand for yourself is actually, be, is actually a really important thing to do. In the days of taking a company article and sharing it and say, this is a great article about this, that's not promoting yourself on LinkedIn. And so for those of you guys that do that, it's, it's garbage. Take the time to read it. Take the time to develop your own takeaways. Um, 
that may or may not be controversial and put them in there. Put them in writing and share the article if that's what you're going to do. Um, that's the easiest way to get started, I think, is to look for content in your industry that others are producing and do that. And if you do that for long enough, you're going to start to have your own opinions in general and you can start to do all that stuff. So that, that's a whole other discussion. Um, and it's something that I'm in the midst of learning. So it's, it's, it's interesting to pick brains of other people that do that. But uh, one of the things I like is, like, like you said, writing makes you a better seller. And I think writing just makes you a better person. So often when I struggle with things, if I sit down in my journal and I write stuff out in front of me, uh, I've developed a really good self-reflection routine. God, it's I've been pretty strong now, really. It's, again, I talked to you guys before about the importance of habits and reading the book Atomic Habits really changed my life maybe three or four months ago. And so, you know, if you sit down there, and I do five days a week, and I write my... Uh, I meditate for 20 minutes and I write in a journal and I kind of answer most days. Some days I'll go off kilter because I need to, but I'll answer the same five or six questions. And at the end of the week, I'll take my top three to five takeaways of everything I've learned that week. And then at the end of the month, I'll take top three takeaways. So now I think I have three or four months of top three takeaways. And I'm really excited to go back at the end of the year and kind of evaluate that and say, wow, what did I learn this year? Uh, and one of the questions is, um, what's something small that makes me happy? And it's an interesting question because every day I answer it. And I, it's normally what's going on. This morning, this made me happy. Yesterday, this made me happy. And you just, I have this list of like 60 things. So um, at the end of the year, again, I'll sit down and I'll go through that list of whatever it is, 60, 70, 80, 200 things. And you start to look for keys, right? And a lot of the stuff you already know, but um, this is how you develop values. and understand, well, here's the stuff I really value. Over time, you know, January, June, um, August, October, each one of those months, I talked a couple of times about the importance of how much I really enjoy getting up early. This is me. This is an important part of me. And you start to develop your values or your rules for yourself. So that's a little off topic. But um, generally speaking, when you're taking the time to write, that self-reflection really helps you kind of organize thoughts, think about stuff and get your message straight. And Jeff talked about that. And I do as well. When you take the time to write, it's hard. When you first start it, and journaling's easy because it doesn't matter. But when you start to write for other people to see, um, you start to really reflect about what you're writing and um, it's a good trait to have, understanding how to write good copy. Oh, anyway, that's all I got today. I hope this was uh, a useful um, a useful discussion that wasn't a discussion because I just it was a one-way discussion, but uh, I know oftentimes, sometimes it's just good to hear other people's opinions on certain things. And uh, these are my opinions on that certain conversation I had. Hope you guys enjoy this stuff. Hope everyone is doing well. And I look forward to catching up with you guys in the next episode. Bye.